This is the Show Up Show, helping coaches, service providers, leaders, and entrepreneurs to master showing up to build their brand, authority, and grow their business. Whether it's showing up on social media, in front of an audience, on a live interview, or an actual stage, this podcast is going to help you overcome visibility fear to confidently brand yourself as the authority in your industry. I'm Joanne Chan, aka the Confidence and Visibility Queen, and I am on a mission to share how I went from a nobody to the confident leader I am today, what I have learned and what I have done to build my brand and business from scratch and help you do the same so that you can make an impact in the world with the meaningful work that you do. Whether you are new to the business world or feeling unsure about public visibility or you want to be seen and heard in a way that doesn't feel icky but authentic to you, you will discover how to become visible in your own unique way and show up as the confident entrepreneur you have always dreamed about becoming. Now, it's time to get you show up and be confidently visible so you can easily attract more clients and opportunities for yourself. Today is Lindsay. She is the co-host of All Years English and her podcast is downloaded 8 million times per month globally and has been ranked in best of Apple podcast categories in 2018 and 2019 and as well as number one in US education language courses. She and her podcast have been featured in podcast magazine, language magazine and Forbes. So guys, help me welcoming the famous podcaster since 2013, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joanne. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So basically, we are passionate about podcasting. And um, what inspired you to start your podcast in 2013? Oh, that's right. It was 2013, 10 years ago. It's crazy to think about that. Um, what inspired me was a few things. So I had traveled the world and I had taught English as a second language, which is what we teach in our show. <clears throat> I had lived in Tokyo. I had lived in South America. I had lived in Europe and I saw English education for adults as there, there were a lot of gaps that I saw. I thought, okay, we can do a lot of things to help global professionals feel more confident in English. So that was one passion. And at the same time, I was a listener. I was listening to shows. The only shows that were around then were very techie shows or personal development shows. Um, and so I started listening to these podcasts, very niche, very independent shows. And I was just inspired and I thought, oh, we could bring the two together. We could bring ESL together with this new brand new technology and we could reach the world. So that is why I started All Ears English. And what, what was it like to start a podcast 10 years ago? I know because today it's so easy to start a podcast. Almost everyone can start a podcast. But what was it like to start a podcast 10 years ago? It was harder for sure. <laughs> it was hard. I mean, it was harder and it was about the same level of, of simplicity. So we had to go, you know, I think there was one PDF online out there on someone's website, maybe Pat Flynn or John Lee Dumas had a downloadable PDF that said how to submit your show to iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, right? One person had the information and it wasn't available widely. And so there was some digging that we had to do and it felt a little bit techy at first. Um, my co-host at the time kind of did some of that for us, thank goodness. Uh, however, it, it, still, it was still a matter of turn on the microphone and start recording. 
right? And that is still what it is. However, now today there's even fewer barriers because the information is everywhere on how to submit to Apple Podcasts. It's very, very simple. So still the thing that I love about podcasting is it is open to the world. There are no gatekeepers and there is not one single platform that hosts your show. You know, for example, if you're a YouTuber, your show's on YouTube, that's it. But with podcasting, your show's in multiple places. So there's no gatekeepers. There are quite, to be honest, there are quite many podcasts today, right, as compared to 10 years ago. Um, but still, it's nothing as compared to having a YouTube channel because YouTube channel, the last time I researched, it was um, 5.2 million YouTube channels out there. And <laughs> right. still, you know, like 3 point, sorry, it was uh, 51 million. If, yeah, 51 million YouTube channels out there. Yeah. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. And for podcasts, it's only 3.02 million. Um. So, you know, it's nothing as compared to YouTube channel. So a lot of people are saying, you know, there are many podcasts out there, you know, who will listen to me, things like that, right? Hence, they don't start a podcast. So, and, you know, I always tell my people, now is the perfect time for you to start a podcast because yeah. there are still not many podcasts out there, to be honest, if you Google it, right? So yeah. what would you say um, uh, is a secret to building a show and, um, you know, that stands out in your industry and how do we brand our show um, successfully? Oh yeah, this is, I love this question because it is so important to put, we need to find that brilliant balance between putting the thought and the strategy behind this when we plan it and the balance with just releasing the content because you know you're going to iterate on your style. I think one of the biggest things we need to do is eventually, not when we launch, but eventually, I'd say within the first six months, we need to find our unique angle on our industry. It's ideal if we, if we know it before, obviously. So we look at our industry and we think, what is missing? What is wrong? And what can we do better? So that's the first thing, like it's very helpful if you have actually worked in your industry before starting your show, right? Uh, and then you know what you can do better. Then eventually, I think through the process of podcasting, you're gonna find a way to put that into words. So for example, for us, our unique angle is not just doing ESL better than the schools. And for example, in Japan, I worked for, a, as I said, I lived in Tokyo, I worked for a Aikaiwa, a conversation language school. Uh, and there was still a lot of people were bringing in their past of rote memorization, the old ways of learning. We knew we could do it better, but there's something more that I discovered on the podcast in episode 50 or so is that our value is connection, not perfection. So connection, not perfection. We actually went ahead and trademarked that phrase and you can do that. That's a step that you can take. That's quite smart. It's pretty affordable. It's about $2,000 with the U S trademark office or in your country's trademark office, depending on where you are. But what I mean is you're gonna articulate your vision through the, the, the process of making episodes. You're gonna figure out how to put that vision into words. Does that make sense? Mm, okay, yeah, it, it makes sense to me, but I'm not sure about yeah. my listeners. Like maybe we can talk about some really like, you know, tangible or practical strategies, how yeah. to actually do that. So, um. Okay, let's talk about strategies then. How do we, like, what are some of the ways, because I know you're also a businesswoman, right? What are some of the strategies um, to turn our listeners into customers or clients? Okay, so now we're talking about converting, right, into yeah. our product. Yeah. yeah, so that is a really good thing. So as I said, I would focus first, for the first six months, I would focus on just building your audience. That's the first thing. Okay. Because we could talk about conversion all day, but if you have no one listening and if you have no regular fans that love your show and wait for your show, 
Mm. You're not going to convert anyone to any courses or any programs, right? So focus really hard on building that audience, the quality of your show in the first six months. And then I would start surveying my audience to see what they want, right? We know our industry. Now, mm. what do they want, right? Then you can get into different conversion strategies. And then we're just talking about marketing. For example, some things that work well for us are quizzes. We do um, very simple, short quizzes. And obviously an education podcast is really easy to make a quiz. Um, you give them a, a, a simple vanity link. We use bucket.io as a software product, but you can do it even cheaper. You could probably do it for free uh, in a more simplified way. And taking that quiz, people wanna learn about themselves. So they get a result in exchange for giving you their email address and agreeing to receive some communications about your new products and whatever you have available. So that's one thing that's worked for, for getting our audience over into our email list. Mm -hmm. You want to focus really hard. As I said, first stage, build your show, make it awesome, make it something that people would miss. If you're not podcasting, if you, if you miss a day, then build your email list. So those are the first two pieces and do that through something nice and easy to communicate like a quiz. Hmm. That is really helpful. But yeah, you mentioned something really important, which now we I want to go back to, which is building your audience. Because exactly like without an audience, no one's listening to your show and there's, you know, you will not convert anyone into any customers, right? So for someone who is um, a new podcaster or just starting out, you know, trying to build their brand online, trying to build a business um, and um, how do they build an audience when they don't have any audience yet? Like, because we can start a podcast and we can just like share with our family or friends, but those are not really the people that we want to attract to our show, right? Maybe the things that we talk about are not really, they are not really our ideal clients. So how do we really build an audience who are ready to buy eventually when they listen to us long enough? Yeah, it's a great question. Really important. Yeah. And this is where it can be hard not to get discouraged. Um, the best thing that we did in the first six months of our show that I think really helped us to grow was we, we contacted every podcaster in our industry, everyone that already had a show. And to us, we were intimidated by them. They seemed famous, right? And we said, Hey, we're launching a show. It's called all ears English. Would you like to be a guest on our show? We didn't ask to go on their show. And that's a key piece, right? You need to prove yourself before you go on another show. You need to have something because if that host is going to interview you on their show and you don't have any content, when you, you pull their audience over to your show, it's not a great you know, value prop for your audience. So instead, inviting them onto your show and talking about your angle, talking about why this would make sense for them. And then maybe six months down the road, reach back out and say, Hey, could I be on your show? Like, this is the content we've created. This is the audience we're building. So you're starting. So it's about relationships, Joanne. It's about mm -hmm. building connections in your industry. By the end of year one, I think you should know everyone in your industry. I think podcasting is still very collaborative and I, I hope we can keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one reason, like the biggest reason why I love podcasting so much is so that I can talk to people. I can talk to other experts like yourself, yeah. you know, and learn from them, build relationship, collaboration, connection, networking. Right. And yeah, yeah that, that, that's why I love podcasting is to make friends. <laughs> in kind the of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so that is really a good tip, you know, just um, invite other experts or other podcasters who really have a show and ask them to come. But here's the thing. If, we are like a newbie, quote unquote, right? And they are really like, 
big name or famous and how do we reach out and would they really want to come on our show how do we make it such you know um so valuable or so irresistible for them to come like what do we have to offer to them for them to say yes yeah i mean first of all you have to have you need to have content that you've already produced so obviously you're not going after these people in week one you need to already have some interesting content you know, if you feel that you're doing something that's adding value in your industry, you're not just regurgitating what everyone else is saying, then you should be able to articulate what that unique angle is, right? And why they would contribute to that conversation, right? You could reach out and say, hey, I know you're the only one in our industry who can talk about X. And we talk about Y. I'd love to have you on the show to introduce your concepts to my audience. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously, like I said, it's not week one. It's after you've gotten a little bit of traction. Um, and then, you know, whether they say yes or no, just go with it and move on. You know, you will event, maybe you're not going for the number one biggest podcaster, but maybe you're working your way up. And then once you've gotten one person on the show in that invitation email, which make it short, by the way, short and sweet, <laughs> don't make them read paragraphs of text. You want to mention the people that have already been on the show mm -hmm. because you know we're human beings we think with a you know this kind of this mind where if someone else has done it then hey it would make sense for that person to do it right get yeah. a little bit of notoriety and then work off of that mm. that makes sense yeah and you know just before we started recording this we talk about imposter syndrome um a lot of people they like you know Imagine I ask you to go and your you know interview your dream guest, right? You will be like, who yeah. am I to talk to that person? Who am I to interview? So how do we overcome that imposter syndrome? Whether it's starting a podcast, or listen to me, who am I to start a podcast, right? How how do you help people? Or what would you say? Did you suffer with imposter syndrome at any stage of your life or business? Um, how would you help people overcome that fear? I think I absolutely have, and I continue to sometimes, right? And especially when I do interview bigger guests, those thoughts still come into my head sometimes. But what I do, let's put it in the context of, of interviewing a big guest. It comes back to your unique angle on your industry. And like I said, for us, our angle is human connection. And believe it or not, that's a little bit different from a lot of other teachers in ESL. A lot of other teachers in education, ESL education, language education, are very serious and they're all about the grammar and yeah. the memorization it was still still today and so every single episode of allers english comes back to we don't necessarily care if you're 100 percent correct with grammar but how do we make the human connection in this moment let's say you do make a mistake how do you maintain the connection so that's what matters so i feel like what i remind myself of that when i'm interviewing that guest and I think, how can this guest come back to my unique value proposition for my audience? Mm. And so that makes it different. That makes me not just another, you know, echo chamber saying the same thing every other ESL teacher has, not even offering an interesting experience for this guest. It is going to be interesting because I'm going to take what they're going to share and package it up, rephrase it to my audience, to what matters to us. Mm. Mm, right yeah that is really helpful and you're so right because I do make mistakes sometimes on my show and I you know it's okay we are not we are not perfect right we are yeah. all human right and that is like um 
the one mistake I would say I see a lot of people make is that they think they have to say everything like 100% factual. They cannot say anything yeah. wrong. And which is not true, right? Um, right. We are yeah. talking when people listen to you because they feel like you're being you, you're being authentic, right? And they feel the connection with you. Um, yeah. so- and and they also, can I just add on to that real quick? Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt here. And they, they know that you as a podcaster see them, right? That's the other piece. So yes, you're authentic, but it's not just about you. It's about them. And maybe there's something that's similar between you as the host and them. Like you see them and their challenge accurately. And mm. that's what's so powerful. That's what makes a powerful podcast. And it may, creates fans that come back for years and years and years. Yeah, exactly. So now for people who already have a podcast, um, what are some of the other ways to, let's say they have a podcast and you know, their, their monthly downloads is maybe like, I don't know, just, just to be safe, right? Uh, 500 um, downloads per month. How do we take our podcast to the next level? Because I know you have a lot of downloads. How do you grow your podcast? Yeah, this is a long road, <laughs> right? Which it, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. There's no viral activity in podcasting. It just doesn't exist. So, you know, if people are looking for that viral moment, they should go to TikTok. They should go to YouTube. It just doesn't. It's, it's very not- interesting. Why, why there's no viral moment <laughs> in podcast, but there's so much in TikTok. IG, I don't know. Well, if you look at the way the apps work, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess it's an independent listening environment. You know, you're not, there's, I mean, you can share an episode, right? An Apple podcast, but it's not really, as far as I know, the algorithm is not based on shares. Like if someone shares this episode, it's not like it's going to necessarily add to the juice and spin it up and give it to more people the way it would on YouTube, right? And as far as I know, it's more about acquiring on Apple podcasts, people hit follow within a certain amount of time, the downloads within a certain amount of time. So what we're focusing on is getting new followers, people to follow our show. So some of the practical things that we do. So your question is how to, how to grow the show, right? Joy, Joanne, sorry. (laughs) Um, Joy, yeah. Joy, okay. Hitting, so one of the things that we do, your listeners can do this right away. In every episode, pretty much every episode, we have a moment, it's not an ad, it's just an organic moment where we remind our listeners to hit the follow button because there's always a percentage that are not following that are listening. I think it's around 10% for us. And so if we can convert more of those over to following, that helps our status. I mean, the algorithm quote unquote, or whatever formula these apps use, it's not like we don't know it necessarily, right? It's not presented. We make certain guesses that we think are probably correct. So we want to strive to get more followers. And so that's one thing we can do. Guesting on other shows, like we said, try to get on other shows or start by inviting them on your show. Um, There, I mean, you know, there are apps like the way you and I connected on Podmatch to find guests. Um, Promo swaps are another thing you can do, which work well. Find a a show that has a similar number of downloads and split, uh, share, like swap ads for each other's show. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's something, it's another strategy that doesn't work quite as well as guesting, but it works. Okay. I mean, you know, so what you're gonna do is just decide on a mutual number of downloads. And so you're gonna play that person's ad for 500 downloads and they're gonna play it for 500 and then that's it. And then you can measure using apps like Chartable. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people are actually running ads for their podcast. Um, I've seen it before, but I didn't know you could actually swap that, like ads. I didn't know there's something. I mean, why not? Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> Why not? Well, I mean, it depends. So, you know, the ease you can, you can drop any ad on your show that you want, as long as you yeah. have the right technology. I mean, depending on where you host your show, um, we host our show on megaphone and it makes it very easy for us to just run campaigns. And there's, we, we're not locked into a network. We're semi-independent. We work with networks, but we're semi-independent because we're so global. And mm -hmm. so we just create a flight and a campaign and I ask that other podcaster, you know, another famous podcaster in ESL to create an ad for their show, or I create their ad for their show. That sometimes might work better because it's my voice promoting that show. Do you know, it might work better for them and vice versa. And then I just drop it into my show, mid rolls, pre rolls, yeah. measure the downloads, the impressions. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's something new that I just learned. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm going to go explore that. Um, and um, so, how do you see podcasting? Do you see it as a business or as a marketing or a channel or both? Both. I see it as both. So first of all, it's the heart and soul of our business. It's like the beating heart of our business. It is the creativity of our, it's, I see it as art first, actually. It sounds cheesy, but I do see it as my creative expression. The way I get to be creative every week, this is it right here. And I love it, right? So just the act of podcasting, I respect it and I enjoy it as a medium. That's number one. And then I see it as a marketing channel. So we do announce all of our promotions, all of our new courses. Uh, we did live events in 2018, 17, 18, 19 in Japan, actually, Boston and New York. That's how we announced it. Um, so it's a marketing channel and it's also a revenue stream independently because we do, we uh, work with advertisers. Mm -hmm. So we've been, we've uh, worked with brands like Lexus, um, Lululemon, Toyota, uh, wow. Grammarly, a lot of big brands, especially this year in 2023, um, have been Rosetta Stone. We've been working with them to promote their products. So it's all three, it's art, it's marketing and it's revenue. That is awesome because I know a lot of my people will be curious about how do you get these sponsorships? So do you, do you reach out to them or do they actually reach out to you? So most of my sponsorships have come through networks. So like I said, I'm not like locked into a network at the moment. I'm not a hundred percent exclusive with any network, but I do work with networks for my specific geographies. Mm. And so there's a network that I work with for my US Canada host red ads. There's networks I work with for my Middle Eastern programmatic ads, Australia programmatic ads. So I piece all of these together at the moment. I haven't been able to find one network that can serve my global inventory. And so I've decided to piece them all together. So honestly, some of these big brands like Rosetta Stone, like Lululemon, they're fantastic to work with. They're wonderful. But I think it would have been hard for me to go after them directly. Maybe Rosetta Stone, I could have gone after them directly, but these brands want to streamline their process and they want to buy ads on multiple shows yeah and so it does help i will say to be somewhat affiliated with a network in some way mm. okay yeah. yeah it's about relationship again right it's not really about what you know but who you know is that like there's a saying yeah it does help you can you know i i still think of us as independent like i said semi-independent uh so you can build a podcast independently and take it all the way to the big time you can stay independent it just becomes harder to access some of these brands that just don't want to work they yeah. just want to streamline their process like i said so once you get bigger um i think it does make sense to start to talk to some of the networks but be careful about giving away full exclusivity careful about 
you know, do you really want to migrate your podcast to where they want you to go? There's lots of questions that come up at that point. Well, but I'm sure it's a good problem to be having at that point, right? Let's focus on the the first step right in front of uh, you right now. If you don't have podcast, go and start a podcast. If you have podcast, think about how do you grow your show. And, you know, then we talk about monetization later. Now, uh, my last question for you would be, working with a co-host uh, because I know you're actually co-hosting the, the show with a co-host and to be honest I'm actually um, thinking about having a co-host because I just like I don't really have time for podcasts right now I have a lot of things going on so I might have a I might want to hire or just you know so can you share some of your insights or experiences having a co-host and you know how do you how do you two work together yeah I have lots of insights here I'm very pro co-host uh, I think it's a great idea for a lot of reasons. Uh, if you like conversation, which in theory, most podcasters like to talk, it's very weird to be talking to a microphone, just you and a oh. microphone, right? <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> I've, ne I, I've never done an episode solo and I hope I never have to. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not a big, I'm not super, super into YouTube. I don't do a traditional YouTube setup where it's just me and a camera. A lot of my competitors do that. My friends in my industry, it's just not me. I, I would get bored, right? Just me and a camera. And so it, you know, having a co-host keeps you motivated, makes the conversation better uh it gives you some accountability and so yes i think it's a great idea it also makes it more interesting for the listeners i think i know in our industry there's a specific reason because again you know learners of english they're not just going to hear one voice most of the time they're going to hear two or sometimes three so they need that practice of the back and forth conversation if you're talking to a native speaking audience or in your own language then that's not the issue but i do think it's more entertaining to have two people and then there are things you want to think about when you take on a co-host. So if you're looking for like a founding co-host and you are not planning to pay the person, if it's not a hire, if it's just like a co-founder, you want them to come on and just share ownership of the show, then that's a whole thing you need to give some really good thought to around contracts. What happens if one of you decides to leave? Wow. That's really important to have that in writing, you know, to definitely take that seriously. Even if you're just getting started, have something in writing. Maybe just if you don't want to hire a lawyer, just write something down. You both sign it. And then once you get bigger at a certain point, go to a lawyer, write up a contract, follow what you've decided, right? Um, but if you're hiring someone, then you're paying them. You're taking on that risk. Make sure IP rights are signed off on and that they, the rights belong to the business. So either way, you do need to get into just formalizing things you know maybe you could do a trial period of like a few weeks and see how it goes but then make a decision is this a founding co-host or is this an employee i haven't thought of that thank you so much for sharing now i don't want to have a co-host anymore because it's just too much work. <laughs> no 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 i mean I, i'm gonna come back to what i said yeah. at the beginning it's the best i mean it's if you do enjoy conversation which i totally do it could mean the difference of your podcast surviving because I think a lot of shows pod fade just because yeah. they get bored talking to a microphone. It's not normal. <laughs> right? Well, I have guests on my show, right? So I'm not really talking to just me and myself. So sure. if, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can also do 100% guests. Mm. Um, I if, if I had a show format like that, I, I would wonder if I could fill every episode with a guest. Like, you know, we publish four days a week. 
Wow. Um, and so I think I would struggle to find a guest for every single episode. And then if I've committed to my audience, I'm going to deliver for them. Mm. Right. And so that if, if you publish less frequently, then maybe you can get away with just having guests. Um, but yeah, so it depends on what you want. Yeah. Because before talking to you, my idea of, of having a co-host is because, you know, like I mentioned, the reason why I need a co-host is because sometimes I don't have time to interview a guest, right? So I thought having someone else to go and interview the guest instead of oh, me, okay. that is my idea of having a co-host. So it's not really Oh, like, I see what you mean. You want yeah. to outsource it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Outsource okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, right? To, to say that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would... I think host uh, audiences, they get used to certain voices yeah. and that's a blessing and a curse. That's a good thing and a bad thing in podcasting, right? Because unless you're planning to podcast until you're 80, I mean, eventually you're going to need a new voice on your show if your show is going to live on, right? So you do need to somehow create a podcasting team. Um, the way we solve for that is we have four of us that co-host across three shows. And so if I go on vacation, I haven't done this much yet, um, but I could get my two co-hosts on All Ears English to, to work together. So I'm out and they work together. Our, our third show, IELTS Energy, it's two co-hosts that I've, I'm never on that show anymore. It's just those two. Okay. And so you can, you can create a little team and kind of mix and match, but I wouldn't totally take your voice off the show yeah. permanently without any warning. I would gradually introduce that new co-host and see how it goes. Measure your downloads. Does you maybe survey your audience? How's it going? Pay attention to the episodes. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned you have like three shows. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, three shows. Yeah, we have our big one, Allers English. And then we have two others. One is Business English. And the other one is IELTS Energy, where we do training for the IELTS exam. Why do you need three podcasts? <laughs> Good question. Um, it, these are three different niches. I mean, All Ears English is the broad ESL. It's it, We cover everything around pronunciation, vocabulary, business English, every topic within ESL. Business English is obviously just for business specifically. So this targets a specific group of All Ears English listeners that have come over because they really want to up-level their business game. And then IELTS, I don't know if you, have you heard of the IELTS exam, International English yeah, Language Testing yeah, Service? Yeah, yeah that's, that show is for people who are prepping for that exam and we have a course. So wow. we drive people to our course and we've had that course since 2015. So we launched that show as a way to advertise our new course that we were building and launched six months after that podcast launched. So we literally built that to advertise the course that we are eventually going to sell. Now that makes sense, right? You have a different niche and you have different product. Personally, actually, I have two shows, so I am just like curious. Why do people? Yeah. You know? Well, I would say if you you have a good opportunity. So if your two shows could have um, overlap in your audience, then you, you absolutely want to use that first show to launch the second show. So we do a lot every month. We actually promote one of our shows within our network, our tiny little network, All Ears English, um, we, we launch one of them. And so we use the other two to launch that show, the third show. I mean, relaunch, I mean, promote is basically what I'm trying yeah. to say. We drop an episode of Business English onto All Ears English to promote Business English, to move listeners. So you can move them around your network and you have a unique advantage over anyone that's just starting from scratch with a new podcast. I love that. Yeah, I totally. I'm learning so much from you. Uh, I'm so glad that we have this conversation. Although we are actually having so true, just so you know, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both getting sick here. Yeah. Is there anything else that you really want to talk about? Perhaps I didn't ask you, didn't let you. 
No, I mean, we, I think we covered it all, but I think the underlying engine that's going to keep your show running for yeah. 10 years or 20 or however long you want your show to run is your kind of your passion for it. But passion mm -hmm. is kind of an empty word. So I would say your unique um, value prop in your industry. Like, what do you, what do you see in your industry that's not being done correctly or is, that could be done better? And how, and why are you the right person to do it? And then how do you articulate that and just give that value? over and over and over and over. And mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the formula to do anything, get sponsors, launch courses, build relationships. I would say also go to conferences. That's big. Yeah. Right now, I think a lot of, uh, you know, there are, there are many podcasting conferences nowadays, right? Yeah. I, I, I haven't been to any, I would love to, but I think it's like gonna, it is the next big thing, right? Other than AI. Podcasting is definitely the next big thing. So yeah, awesome. Now tell my listeners where they can find you online or where they can listen to your show or to connect with you, what would be you? Yeah, sure. So um, they can start by, if they're listening to this podcast, they can start by finding our podcast and, and you know, listening in and following the show and take a look at what we do to learn from us. Go to the search bar and just type in All Ears English Podcast. It's yellow, you're gonna see yellow and hit that follow button, listen to a couple of episodes, get a sample of how we do it. And if you want to learn more from me, I am doing some informal coaching nowadays to get help people get started. And so they can actually just send me an email to okay. Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at allearsenglish.com uh, and let me know what you're working on. Uh, I like to, I love this industry so I, and I think it, I hope it stays open to new people coming in, right? And so I want to help people with that for sure. Thank you so much again for taking your time out in your early morning and to be on our show today. Guys, I hope you learned a lot from today's episode on how to succeed with podcasting. If you have any question for us, you can just leave a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you want to meet me and my guests and my community of entrepreneurs to continue this conversation, you are invited. I want to invite you to our community events that we run every uh, once or twice a month is what we call Virtual Podcast Party. And uh, basically what it is, is a mastermind, a speed dating and a Tony Robbins event um, so most importantly there is nothing for sale right it's a safe environment for you to come for all of us to come together to help and empower one another um, and um, if you want to attend the event for free just go to the show note below and you will find the dates and time for you to attend and um, the RSVP link is in the show note as well as Lindsay's link I'll put all her links in the show note below so don't you worry you will find all the ways to get you know connect with her alright I hope to see you at my event and until next time keep showing up success doesn't show up for you until you show up and pursue your own success hi there thanks for listening today and i would love to meet you at our virtual dinner party once or twice a month we come together as a community in a safe and empowering environment to help and support one another in our entrepreneurship journey so why is a virtual dinner party a VDP is not a networking event it's not a teach event and it's not a webinar where you don't get to talk I want you to imagine the VDP being a cross between a mastermind, speed dating, and a Tony Robbins event. And most importantly, there is nothing for sale. My goal for you in attending our VDP is to help you build real confidence, gain more visibility for yourself, and build a deeper connection within our community. What is the catch? There isn't one. If you are a coach, consultant, entrepreneur, or podcaster, come and join us for a truly unique and world-class experience. 
and there's a choice of dates and times for you to attend. To ISVP, just send me a DM on Facebook with the word VDP now.